Really, I don't have much of a, a new word to share today. Uh, the last two Shabbats that I preached, I preached about the same topic, and today will be, I believe, the final time where I pretty much reiterate what has already been said. Uh, sermons are a funny little entity because you give them, and by the time you're done, well... If you ask folks, if you remember what I spoke about last week, you know, most people would say, I don't remember. Be honest with you, if you ask me what I spoke about last week, my answer would be, I don't remember. But this one kind of sticks. Uh, I've certainly gotten feedback from multiple people that they've incorporated this thing in their life. Um, they've seen victories from it. So I really just want to reiterate in summary, what has already been shared, you know, we're in the time of the end of what's called in Judaism, the three weeks uh, leading up to a day called Tisha B'Av, which is the ninth of Av, which is the day that the temple that was in Jerusalem at the time of the Babylonians was destroyed. Also, the temple in Jerusalem and during the Roman occupation was destroyed, both on the same day. But God, as we, as we sang about when it says, our Father, all of heaven, roars your name, sing louder, let this place erupt with praise. Let this place erupt with praise. And as was shared, God doesn't care about walls of churches. He cares about your heart. And that's the place that needs to erupt with praise. And in the same fashion, while God's dwelling was in the temple... There's really no comparison between the temples that are made of stone and the temples that are sitting right here in the eyes of God. You are the temples of God, and God wants to make his dwelling in you. There's always been a temple. There's always been a temple. We can talk about heaven. We could talk about the first temple. We could talk about the second temple. But, hey, you know, in the Havara group in my house, the home group, we're just kicking off a study of the book of Hebrews. And I believe that the almost the entire purpose of the book of Hebrews is to prepare the Hebrews, the Jewish people of the time, the Jewish believers, of what life is going to be like post-temple. Because the temple, the Bet HaMikdash, the temple, the sanctuary... Was, is such an integral part of Jewish life, and it was about to come down from the Romans, from, uh, from their destruction, and from the judgment of God. But I believe there is encouragement in the book of Hebrews that we have a better covenant. And that covenant is Yeshua is the high priest, and you are the temple. This is the better covenant, that he's still the high priest of a temple, but you're the temple of God. You're the temple of God. And in this season where we commemorate and we even slow down and, and honor and commemorate the destruction of those temples at this time, we have to recognize that, I think I said this last week, there are these little Babylonian soldiers and Roman soldiers roaming around our head marching around, looking to destroy the temple. Do you know what I'm talking about? And God wants a cleansed temple. He wants a purified temple. 
He doesn't want a temple with mixture. There's an amazing scripture. It's in Ezekiel 8. And this is when Ezekiel is already in Babylonian exile. And Ezekiel, poor guy, you know, used to be sitting there by the river, you know, by the Tigris probably, you know, just kind of in this place of lamentation and like thinking, oh, hey, it really stinks to be here. And all of a sudden, God literally says, like, pick them up by the hair, you know, and just dropped them off in another place. This poor guy was like in a place of being in, in visions all the time. And God took him, to this, to, took him into the temple and vision a temple in Jerusalem, the temple in Jerusalem in Ezekiel 8. And he said, Ezekiel, what do you see? And they were doing all of these abominations. They were worshiping false gods and doing all these abominable and unholy practices in the temple of God. And this breaks God's heart, but more so it breaks God's heart when we, the temple of God, who has the spirit of God within us, have mixture inside of us, mixture inside of us, mixture inside of us. You know, one easy way to have mixture inside of us is through alternate religious practices. Alternate religions seek to linger. They seek to hang around. But believe me, I've noticed it in Haiti. A lot of people in Haiti are Christian. And, and really on fire Christians. But what I've noticed in Haiti when I was there, as much as they were on fire Christians in Haiti, they were still intermingled with voodooism. There was an intermingling. And this is why, like when Rabbi Peter and I went there that one time and we went to a church of 10,000, there was so much deliverance happening in that church of, of just demons just coming out of people. It was an intense experience why? Because there was intermingling with the people. There was, there was, they loved the Lord, but these, these parts of us that, that dabbled in other faiths, they like to hang around. They like to linger. They like to linger. And God wants a purified temple. God wants a purified temple. And these things that we should always take a step back. And as I was sharing these last couple of weeks about things that, that are inside of us, not just depression, but all of this that could be inside of us, you know what else could be inside of us? Just a little residue of our, the, the false gods that we were practicing before we came to the Lord. And these things, we need to do the same practices and go before him with the same type of mentality. And when I brought forth, you know, this is just a, 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 a way to bring this forth in, in a way that's easy to remember. It's just... A way of putting words to it. You know, our human brains, we do well with, with uh, rhymes and alliterations. This is why preachers love them. This is why preachers practice them. They like to alliterate a little bit. Because these things stick. And I brought this forth, and this is something I always want to just say humbly, this is something that I do. And we do it with not just all of this, but we can do it also with just the parts of us that are still kind of intermingled with other religions that we brought in. Like Adonai wants to bring us to a new level of faith in him, a new level of authentic faith, a new level of a cleansed temple in him. And this is really a spirit of, of, of humility that we need to come before him in this time of these three weeks. We're in this amazing time. It's an amazing time. Like there's so much celebration in the calendar of God. There's so much amazing celebration. All of a sudden we hit this time and there's like a slowdown. 
And God put this in the calendar intentionally, put this in his, our calendar intentionally, just so we can kind of humble ourselves, because guess what's coming in like not too long a time, right? We have uh, the six-month Elul coming up in a, in a month's time. We have Rosh Hashanah in only two months. Two months, Day of Atonement, two months plus ten days. I mean, it's, it's coming quickly. The day is coming soon. The sound of the shofar is coming soon. The sound of the trumpet is coming soon. We sang about it. Ain't no grave going to hold this body down. The time is coming. He's coming soon. And these fall festivals that are right around the corner all speak about his coming. So isn't it appropriate that before we start to recognize and celebrate these holidays that speak about his coming, all of a sudden we're brought to a place where we need to humble our hearts and we need to get right and we need to cleanse our temples. We need to cleanse our temples. If there's anybody here that knows, 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 even if subtly that they're intermingled still. That there's intermingling. You know, it's, there's so many verses in the scripture, about, in the Torah, about, don't, about intermingling. You know, it's like, they say, like, don't mix your wool and your linen, and don't mix the seed, oh, the different seeds when you plant and things like that. And really the spirit, what the spirit is saying in these things is, like, don't mix me with the things of the religions. Don't mix it up. Don't mix. Keep my, keep my, keep my ways pure. Keep my ways pure. Keep my, my laws pure. Keep my ways pure. Keep my word pure. All, all, the, all the Spirit is saying today is if there's intermingling in you, if there is an intermingling, if there's, if there's just that little bit of what you used to practice before you gave it all to God, if it's still there a little bit, these false gods, we can do these. Now, if people were not here yet, and you're like, what are these R's? I'm just going to go through them again. And I bring it forth in a way to tell you that I do this all the time. I do it myself because I need to do it. Let me explain. These all have biblical principles. Just if you have any of this, any of this, if you hate yourself, if you find yourself hating others, just pick one. It doesn't even need to be in this list. You could have many. I could have many. Greed is not in the list. It could be anything where you're just struggling, where there's anything in you that's not cleansed. Is the temple not cleansed in some way? Is the temple not cleansed? Is there something unclean? Is there something unclean? Is there something unclean? I tell you right now that if you have chronic depression and you struggle with that, there's something unclean. There's something that God wants to wash away. If you have chronic Bitterness, come on, come on. If there's somebody that's just, their attitude is bitter all the time. Not just a little bit, right? We can go through little seasons of whatever. Things, some things happen, we get upset, we move on with life. If you can't move on with life, if you can't move on from bitterness, there's something there that's not submitted. There's something there that's unclean. And at this time, when we commemorate the destruction of the temple, a day when, when, when God said through the prophet Ezekiel, the day is coming, that these fast, these days of mourning, these days of fasting are going to become times of rejoicing. He says that in Ezekiel, that there's several fasts that were put in by, by, by the Jewish people back during the Babylonian exile, and they all are associated with the Babylonian exile. There's a fast in the fourth, fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, and the tenth month. All of these fasts pertain to the Babylonian exile, and every single one of them, God said, is going to become a time of rejoicing. 
He's going to turn it all around. And the, the, the rabbi, the Jewish people say, that's when Messiah comes. Well, guess what, Jewish people? Messiah has come. So we can turn these things around. We can commemorate the destruction of the temples, but we can also recognize that we have somebody greater than the temple is here. As Yeshua said, one who is greater than the temple is here. One who is greater than the temple is here. One who is greater than the temple is here. Thank you, Father. One that cleanses, the one that heals our diseases, the one that, that, that heals us from uncleanliness. You know, I always love the fact that Yeshua went to lepers and he cleansed lepers. I love that he did that because lepers aren't, you know, they're, it's a combination of like their sin because it's associated with gossip. That's another thing that could be up there. Are you a gossiper? It could be up there too. Is it something that you just perpetually do that you talk about other people in negative ways? But I love that he went to the lepers and he cleansed the leper. And the leper said, can you make me clean? Can you make me clean? Not just can you heal my disease, can you make me clean? We have a Mashiach, we have a Savior, we have a Deliverer that doesn't just heal our diseases. He cleanses us. He cleanses us. And he touches what medicine can't touch. He touches what the priest in the confessional can't touch. He touches what I can't touch as a rabbi. He touches what pastors can't touch. It's only him. He may live within me and he lives within you. He can do all that. He can do that. But he, this is his realm. This is his space. This is his wheelhouse. This is where he wants to be. And there's, when there's areas unsubmitted, you know, it's one thing. I can tell you, like, you go, we have these things. We have these issues and we, you know, this, whatever it is that we struggle with in our lives, whatever it is, we, we always ask for prayer for them. We go, oh, help me, 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 help me. And we should ask for prayer. And we should ask for prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Continue to ask for prayer. Why? Because Satan wants to keep these things in the dark. Just because when we, that's just like when we spoke about during the worship that Satan wants your praise to stay in the dark and not come out. And we need to let it erupt. The things that we struggle with, absolutely positively Satan, that's a rhyme. Satan wants to keep it in the dark. He doesn't want you talking about these things. He doesn't want you confessing these things. He wants you to think that if you confess them, people are going to hate you or people are going to look at you funny or people are going to judge you. He wants you thinking these things because then it stays in you and becomes cancerous. It does. It does. We got to let these things out. So go for prayer. Go for prayer. But the concept that I brought forth over these couple of weeks that I want you to take with you, and if you haven't, just do it anyway. You can bring these things to God in a spirit of repentance. Repentance breaks the yoke. Repentance breaks the, the assignment that the enemy may have in these things. Repentance breaks that legal contract that Satan may have where he has a right to mess with you because you've been disobedient in a certain way. So the simple things that I do, like I said, is I recognize it. you got to recognize it. You know, I can't tell you how many people say, like, you know, I went through this, but I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with me. I've, I'm, I'm fully cleansed. I've done it all. All right, Baruch Hashem. I'm not. 
and I won't be until I die, until I have that renewed body, that heavenly body that he promises me when he comes and I come out of the ground. Then I won't have it. Until then, I, ha I have it. I have issues I got to deal with. So the first step is to recognize it. Just recognize it. And this is a time, this is a season of being humble. This is what these three weeks leading up to the ninth of Av is about. It's about being humble. It's saying, I'm, I don't know, this is an area I'm messed up in. And take responsibility for it. I feel this is very important because we tend to blame circumstance and people and mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And yeah, they may have caused something, you know, but now it's on you. And guess what? God says he can bring a curse down to three or four generations, but he'll bless a thousand. How many here want to be the start of a thousand generations of blessing? Which means that, okay, maybe it did come from mom. Maybe it did come from grandma, but it ends with me. How many people want that attitude? That's taking responsibility for it. Because you're going to say, well, it was her, it's her fault. It's society's fault. It's the way they treated me. It's Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> or Joe Biden's fault. You're, just, you're redirecting responsibility. God wants, he wants to, he cares about your temple. He'll deal with other people's temples. Let him deal with yours. Let him be the high priest of your temple. Let him be the high priest of your temple. We spend a lot of time worrying about him being the high priest of somebody else's temple. That temple, that, that showbread is not in the right place. That lampstand is a little, you know, needs to be lit again. There's one of them that's not lit. Mind your business and worry about your own temple with God. The Pentecostals are raising their hand and shouting, and everybody else is staring at me like I have two heads. Hallelujah. So take, what's that? Sephardic Pentecost. So responsibility and repent. And I mean repent. I mean take a step back. I mean slow down. I don't mean God, give God lip service. I mean really slow down. I mean go before God in your prayer closet. Go alone before him. Humble your heart. Take a breath and say, God, I acknowledge these things. I acknowledge this one area. Start with one. I am a big believer in uh, the steps of the righteous man are ordained by God, are ordered by the Lord. The steps. Now, a step doesn't have to be a high jump or a long jump or a marathon or even a 100-yard a, a dash. It's a step. So take one, one issue, one issue that you have, one area in your thinking that's unsubmitted to God. One area. Don't worry about the rest. One. And bring it before him in a spirit of repentance. Sincere repentance before him. And renounce it. Renounce it means I got a graphic for this week's Torah portion, because I'm a rabbi and I have to link it to the portion. It says in Deuteronomy 1.6, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. Now, that's God talking right there. 
talking geographically to the people, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. But I believe that God wants you to have this attitude. If you are experiencing, you can't get past the mountain of bitterness or the mountain of jealousy or the mountain of greed or the mountain of rage or the mountain of self-worthlessness or the mountain of feeling that you're ugly or the mountain that you're feeling that you, that you have nothing to give to God or the mountain of your feeling that you're not saved because you messed up or anything like that. These mountains, God wants you to have this attitude of, I've stayed long enough at this mountain. I've stayed long enough. That is renouncing it. That's being ready to go. Pack up your bags and let's go. That's in Hebrew, teshuvah. Teshuvah. Teshuvah doesn't mean saying I'm sorry. Teshuvah means to turn. And God wants you to be ready to turn from these things, to actually turn, not just repenting like I'm sorry, but to actually be ready to turn. And if you ain't ready to turn, you're not going to have a lot of success. If you're not ready, if you get too much benefit from the drug, it's going to be really hard to turn away from the drug. You got to be tired of the drug. You got to be done with the drug. It's got to be a capital D as in done with this thing. You got to be so done with yourself and, and you being stuck by this mountain that you have to be ready to go. And Lord, help my unbelief, right? It's up by the grace of God we go and we don't do anything perfectly. Just But like that one soldier said, I think it was a soldier, said, I believe, help my unbelief. But try to come to him with that spirit of really being done with whatever it is you're bringing before him. Really, really being done with it. Remove it. Remove it. Remember, the enemy can link itself with your brokenness. But when you repent, he's got no right there no more. So remove him. In the name of Yeshua, out. I have found that after I do that, God will speak. He's always speaking, but before I do this, you know, it's really hard for a wound to heal if it's constantly being scratched. That's kind of what the enemy does. He doesn't want it to heal. He wants to keep it wounded. Once he's gone, it can actually heal. And I have found that I hear God much more clearly after going through these things. Because... Like this connection, there, there was a blockage there. The blockage was my whatever, what did I say last, last week? The, 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 the money, right? The greed. You know, that, the blockage. But once it's all removed, I can hear him clearly. And now I can be ministered to by the Spirit of God. Because there's no blockage. Because the enemy's gone. Because the wound is now right, right in line with the, with the good doctor, with the good shepherd, with the good physician. Now he can do his work. And I'm able to experience it and realize it. And always rejoice and repeat as needed. I had to do this pretty recently. Uh, I'm going to share this. And I feel very vulnerable sharing this. It's probably something. This is every, part, every ounce of my being is like, this is not for the congregation. You shouldn't be sharing it. It's too personal. And for that reason, I'm going to share it. So even this morning, I, had to, I, I went to right before the Holy Spirit. And I said, Sue... What do you think if I share this? And she said, I think it's good. So I said, okay. 
I'll do it. And this is a little embarrassing for me, so I'm just going to share it. So one thing that I have dealt with for a bit of time, being a rabbi of Mishkan David, is that the congregation hasn't grown much in attendance or numbers since I've come. Today excluded. You know, we're hovering around a 30 or 40 on average or whatever it is. And uh, sometimes I would go home after an amazing service. And I would be, feel like I'm curled up like a fetus, feeling like I'm a dreadful rabbi, feeling that I don't know what it is. Everybody must, it must be me. It must be me. It must be me. It must be me. And a couple of years ago, I really felt the Lord say, we're going to have a year of expansion. Expansion. That was like the word that kept coming to me. Expansion, expansion, expansion. Do you know how much we've expanded since then? Do you know how much we do with evangelism and Torah studies and the love that we have and the connection we have and the home groups? Like, there's been amazing expansion in this place. Amazing expansion. But I wasn't able to really see that. Very often, I would go home and I would just kind of be curled up in a ball just thinking that I just am the worst rabbi ever. Until, it's like, wait a minute. This thought is not aligned. This thought is not aligned. So I did it. And I went before God. And I said, God, I recognize that this thought process is not from you. I recognize it. I recognize this isn't from you. And I take responsibility for it. I don't know what it is about my upbringing where I feel insecure. I don't know what it is where I'm take it, I take it personally or people don't like me or something. I don't know what it is. Whatever it is that I have, I got it now. And Father, I just take responsibility for this. I don't blame anybody. I don't blame any, any person. I don't blame anyone. I take it upon, this is my responsibility to, to bring before you for healing. And I acknowledge it, Lord. And I said, God, I repent of this. I repent. I'm truly, truly sorry for not being aligned with how you see the congregation in this way. And I renounce it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And I removed the enemy. About 10 minutes later, I felt like I was floating because a weight was lifted off of me, spiritually. All of a sudden, God started to download into me about this subject. And you know what he said? Don't take it upon yourself. Attendance has nothing to do with you. Your job as a rabbi, and maybe there are pastors that need to hear this. Maybe there are pastors that need to hear this once this is on YouTube later. God says attendance is on me. Your job is to make me happy. Your job is to make me welcome here. That's your only job. Your only job. That's your only job is to make me happy here. Your only job, your only question is, Lord, are you happy here? Are you welcome here? And be open to the answer. I've said it many times that in the book of Revelation, my favorite part of the book of Revelation with all the, all the, Everything that happens, all the end times things that happen, and all the different ways to translate this and look at it. My favorite part of the book of Revelation is in the beginning when he's talking to the churches. 
Because he says, this is what you've done well, right? This is what I have, this is what you did good, but this is what I have, this is the charge I have against you. So stop doing this. But this is what you did. And I love that. And I think every pastor needs to have that attitude with God. And listen to the Holy Spirit, what the Spirit is saying to the church. This is what you're doing good. This is where you need to improve. And I love that. Because that's, that's like how Yeshua came down to like our level. Like he, he's in the form of God, but he didn't consider his equality of God something to be clung onto. So he lowered himself to the form of a man. This is like the Holy Spirit like, like talking to us face to face. Say, this is good. This is not so good. I love it. So be open to that. Be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying. If something needs correction, correct it. Nothing's perfect. No, nobody's perfect. No congregation's perfect. But just be open to what he has to say. But if we're doing, and if I'm doing, what he wants me to do, that is my only, only objective. He'll bring whoever he wants. Or not. But that is him. I needed to take it and give it back to him. And say, attendance is your problem. Take it. It's yours. And I needed to do that. And the only reason I heard that is because I did this. Because I acknowledged it before him. Humbly. And I repented of it. And I renounced it. And I removed the demonic from it. Then I was really able to receive from it. And as I said, so this is one example. That wasn't listed in my little bubbles over there. So everybody has the things that are just unsubmitted. They're not aligned. During this time of Tisha B'Av, of the destruction of the temple, bring these things. Bring one before him humbly and do it. And as I said last week, and I'm not going to dwell on this, we know that stress causes migraines. We know that anxiety can cause heart issues. We know that anxiety can cause ulcers. We know that it can cause GI problems. We know that. We know there is a connection between your mind and your thoughts and your body who listens to you, that listens to you. We know it to be true. So I'm not going to say if anybody's sick, it's because you're depressed or anything like that. But I will say if you deal with your depression, you very well can experience physical healing. And as a residue, as a, as a residual effect, side effect, experience physical healing. I believe it fully. So I'm not bringing forth today anything new at all. Um, I just want to bring this forth, and I want to just seal this back up to God. So something that, you know, I can't really pinpoint in the Bible where this happens, but if you can think, if you could, if you can, let me know. But I feel sometimes that when God does something or says something or something is important, not the normal sermon that you'll forget about next week, but the something that's you know has really spiritual importance and it's been poured out, I just want to give it to God. I just want to give it to God. So can we just together agree with this? We okay with that? Okay, so can we, come on, Carrie. So let's just, let's let Carrie just play some music. And if we can just stand up 
And if we can even, you know, come forward if you'd like, let's just, you know, let's just kind of come together as a body and um, let's just agree with this. Let's just come together as a body. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Father.